0: this this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Here we go Thursday afternoon Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm the 12th of November. You know, first day of the Masters. Like everyone always expects when they look at the calendar. Oh yeah, November 12th, that's the day the Masters is going to begin. Well, we got uh, some rain this morning, as expected. Rain overnight, about three quarters of an inch this morning. There were, uh, I think, three groups that were actually on the golf course. Uh, nobody got more than a full hole in the... And then they sounded the, uh, the air horns, pulled everybody off the course, had a two hour and 45 minute rain delay officially, and then got everybody back out on the course. And uh, guess what? It has turned into an absolutely gorgeous day at Augusta National for the, uh, the playing of the Masters. We're glad to have you along on Sports Talk Mississippi. You want to be part of the show? Ceasefire text line is the way to do it 601 879 4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but Ceasefire thinks. You deserve a plan that's actually what it says. So here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing, com. Just go right to the Masters leaderboard, and then we'll get into a bunch of other stuff with you this afternoon, including in about 15 minutes, a conversation with the great Dominique Wilkins, the human highlight film, Neek, going to join us. He's going to be at the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge on Saturday from 4 o'clock in the afternoon till, until 8 o'clock that evening. And uh, Ryan Griffin and our good friends over at uh, Pearl River Resort got us connected with Dominique, so we'll talk with him. I'll be interested to ask him if he's a golfer. 6'7"? You would think that he could generate a lot of club head speed if he was uh, so inclined. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey,
2: Brian Haydad. Boys, what is up? Oh, just had... Uh, a full day of watching the Masters in November. It was pretty awesome. It really was. The, the people at Augusta National rarely misstep. Everything is pretty measured and done well and appropriate. The course right? is always in great shape. The efficiency of their operation is quite incredible. They misstepped today sending a couple groups on the course just to have them called back in when you knew that rain and storms and thunder and lightning were coming. The, the first group teed off with thunder in the background, and they still made them go finish the hole. It, 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 that was just dumb. It was, a, it was a misstep, which is not something that is characteristic uh, of that place. If I were one of those guys, I, I would have been furious. You made me go through my warm-up completely, get on the course when you know this is coming. You hear it as I'm hitting my tee shot on one. It's right there. And then you make me go sit for three hours and then go through it all again? No, that's not that's that's bad move. Which is something Augusta doesn't do very often, but that was a Michael bad move. Michael Borky was looking for something Hate had to be upset about right out of the gate. Yes, because that's that's what that was. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. And it didn't really affect those guys that much though, did it? Uh, well, Glover didn't play well, but, you know. Yeah. Scores have been tremendous so far today. Top of the leaderboard, Paul Casey, who went out and shot a bogey-free 65. He had an eagle on two, a birdie on six, a birdie on 10, a birdie on 13, also birdied 15 and 16, shot uh, 33 on the front, 32 on the back, goes uh, and shoots 65 We didn't have huge expectations for Tiger Woods. Tiger played one of the cleanest rounds of golf that he has played in a really long time. He went off the back nine and had pars on 10, 11, and 12, made a birdie on 13, a birdie on 15, hit a great shot on 16 that just for a second you thought had a chance to go in, kicked it in for a birdie, and so he made the turn at three under, He birdied number one, which is a hole that has haunted him through his career. Uh, Was able to get it close, and then parred the rest of the way. And frankly, some missed opportunities. Pars on both par fives on the front side of the golf course. He parred two, and he parred eight, and really hit a bad shot. He had 75 yards with a wedge in his hand coming in on eight, and he spun it back to like 40 feet and then two-putted. So all in all... A first round sixty-eight for Tiger Woods, uh, Woods, which ties his best round ever in round number one at Augusta. Played really well. Yeah,
2: great control with the driver today. Also, it it was, and it goes to show you just the kind of player he is and, and how he has been. That's that's vintage Tiger. I mean, it, it goes all the way down to, and just in the course when he was in his prime. I mean, how often do you remember the greatest shots of his career being out of the mess, out of the crap? But that's always who he was. It's just something about his mentality, his makeup, that makes him perform no matter what the circumstance. In football, people use like the gamer. He's just a gamer. That's what he is. There's no reason at all for him to be competitive today. And yet here he is. it's just it's who he is. it's what he does. It's remarkable you you you
1: um identified a misstep here's a kudos. I still think it's a little crazy that television coverage doesn't start until lunchtime and it's actually moved up a couple of hours through the years. So television coverage on ESPN started at noon Central time, one o'clock Eastern. And because of the delayed start, really you got to see almost all of Tiger Woods' round. I think that he was on his second or third hole when they came on. And really you got to see almost the entire round. Um, But the drone footage has been unbelievable. You are seeing parts of Augusta National that you have never before seen Unless, And really, even if you've been to the Masters, like if you've been to a practice round or you've been to one of the tournament rounds, you've seen things today that your eyes probably have never laid eyes on before. The, the, The aerial shot Borky with the drone kind of hovering over the par three course where you're looking out at the practice putting green With the Eisenhower cabin in the
2: foreground,
1: but you're looking at it from the back of the eye. Did you realize that the Eisenhower cabin was three stories?
2: No, had no idea. Everything about they have um, credit to the the leadership there at Augusta. I I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's just because it's a different year, uh, you know, with no patrons and stuff, and maybe that's why, or they're just being innovative. You are, and it's still. doesn't do it justice. Television and, and all that still doesn't do it justice. But at least now you're getting a better grasp of what it's like. Yeah, it's they. You have never seen angles of that place like you saw today, especially on 16. The aerial shots on 16 are awesome. It's an angle you've never seen before, and it's yeah. it's really a simple hole. You know, it's a par three. You know, there's water down to the left, and they throw it up on the bank and let it roll down. But just something about the new angles make you appreciate that course so much more. Hey, Dad, have you watched it all today?
0: I watched for a little while. Yeah, Especially I wanted to check in. I did the my group thing so I could see how my picks uh, are doing. Looks like we're doing okay. And, yeah. uh yeah, so I'm just keeping up a little bit.
1: I'll be honest. Um, the, the we had we had our flurry of text messages going. They, they started about six thirty this morning, and everybody got their for picks y'all. in before any shots were hit. I was impressed, Hey Dad. You, you chimed in by about 7 or 7.15. Maybe it was 7.30. Yeah. That, that's good for you. you. Were you still lying in the bed when you did that? <laughs> no, I was up. <laughs> that's uh, that's impressive for you. So, Hey Dad's picks, you, you want to give them? Who okay, I here's think? the way I took, we did uh... we, we, In terms of, of betting odds, we took the top 15. You picked two golfers out of the top 15. You picked two golfers out of the next 20, and then you pick two for the entire rest of the field, and we're going cumulative score, lowest score wins. That, that's that's how we're doing it this year. Who were your six golfers, hey, Dad?
0: I went uh, DeChambeau and Kepka. I went, okay. uh, i got to look this up. Is it Matsuyama? It is, Hideki is Matsuyama. That? And I don't remember my other, oh, the Tiger was the next one on that tier. Yep. And then I went, uh, let me find it here. Ricky Fowler uh, and Danny Will. Ricky Fowler and Danny Willett, yeah. <laughs>
1: Danny Willett was the only uh, pick that you made that I would quibble with at all, but past champion, no problem with that. Borky, you're
2: six. Uh, DJ, uh, Justin Thomas, okay. Fleetwood and Fitzpatrick. I don't know how much I love that Fitzpatrick pick, and Fleetwood is having to play amongst two bombers, and he's the exact opposite. I kind of feel bad for him. Yeah, uh, but he's
1: always on the leaderboard. Always it feels like it. Majors.
2: That, that's just what he does. He's so steady. And then I like these last two. Cameron Champ's an interesting one because Mm -hmm. the Bombers aren't really – I mean, today is not the best day for them. The rest of the weekend maybe should be. And Kevin Kisner. I I tried to pick guys that that you didn't pick just to make this uh, fun. Uh, So my last four, like I would have gone with Finau. I liked your Finau pick a lot. And Xander obviously would have been a great pick as well, as Jim told us yesterday, but wanted to mix it up.
1: My two out of the first group were Rory McIlroy and Xander Shoffley. I took Tony Finau and Justin Rose out of the middle group of players and then my two out of the rest of the field. Ian Poulter, who was in the mix a year ago, and Sebastian Munoz, former winner in Jackson at the Sanderson Farms Championships, played pretty well the last month or so. I just thought I'd take a little bit of a flyer on, uh, on Munoz as well. Coming up next, if everything works according to plan, Dominique Wilkins will join the conversation. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. To, to get to meet you, sign some autographs, and and get to hang out uh, to a, at a place that we've been a bunch of times. What a really cool setup this is going to be.
3: Yeah, it's going to be nice. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a way to interact with some of the uh, the people who you know really support the casino down there, and, and you know people within in the city just to come out and just say hello. You know, we're going to be do, doing social distancing as well. So, but we do encourage. Uh, the people that uh, we've had to come out, to come out and have a, have a
1: fun time. And, uh, and Dominic, normally nice place, this would be a like weekend where all of the televisions there would be on college football, but it's unique this year, obviously, because the Masters is going on. So a lot of different things happening. I've got to ask you, are you a golfer?
3: I am. I am. I play quite a bit.
1: Have, uh, I'm not have, going to tell you what
3: it, my handicap is, though.
1: I wasn't going to ask. I wasn't going <laughs> to paint you into that corner. My, my guess is yeah, there's a lot of club head yeah. speed there, though.
3: Well, you know what, you know, I've kind of slowed my swing down because, you know, know, I'm really like 300 off the tee, you know, but now, you know, you don't know where it's going half the time. So now I've slowed (laughs) it down, trying to keep it in the fairways, you know. So, you know, I'm pretty decent, pretty decent. Uh, uh,
1: A good friend of mine who is a a far better golfer than I am tells me regularly that the uh, the woods on golf courses are filled with long hitters.
3: (laughs) Yes, it sure is. And so now, you know, I, I keep it about, you know, 270, 280,
1: I'm good. There you go. There you go. Have you been watching the Masters today? Uh,
3: I, I try to watch it as much as I can. You know, I've been watching for years. And, uh, it's my relax time where I can sit and just sit back and enjoy.
1: Let's just keep it in the state of Georgia, because I feel like you've got kind of a unique, um, a unique playing career in that you were able to play at the University of Georgia, which is only about an hour from Atlanta, and then you end up with the Hawks for such a, a long career. That's a little unique because there aren't many guys that are able to build that kind of a relationship with a city, a state, and a region the way you did over really your entire career.
3: Yeah. And, you know, this state city has been wonderful to me. It's, you know, it's like they made me their native son here. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate the people in Atlanta and the state of Georgia. Of course, you know, I went to the University of Georgia, so this is home for me. You know, I was born and so born in France, but Atlanta is where I'm from. And that's what I often tell people. It's a place where, you know, have given me a lot of respect, a lot of opportunity to do things I wanted to do. So I, I tell you, I can't complain.
1: I, I'm curious, and, and I don't know how many people know this about you, that you were actually drafted by the Jazz, but but never ended up in utah kind of were in that deal a little bit like eli manning when he was drafted by the san diego um the the football team in san diego uh the the chargers and kind of forced a trade could you have ever imagined it working out as well as it did in the long run
3: well you know when i got drafted by you of course i didn't want to be in utah so it was a big stink about that and but Atlanta kind of came uh, out of nowhere. And it was a team that I always wanted to play, play for, but I had no idea that I would have the opportunity to be a Hawk. I had no idea. And so when that happened, you're talking about a guy who was, who was jumping up and down the halls, man, I was so excited.
1: I can only imagine. Uh, forgive me if this is cliche, but I can't talk to you and and not ask about the slam dunk contest because I know that's probably something that you've been asked about a million times. But let's do it kind kind of in order. You you win it in eighty six. Now eighty five, you win it. Eighty
3: five. Yep.
1: So, so so let's start there. That that was in Indianapolis, right? Uh, it was. What was that like to win it? Because I feel like the Slam Dunk Contest, that was the golden era, kind of 85 through, I don't know, maybe the early 90s. Would you agree with that?
3: Oh, absolutely. But, you know, everybody got into the Slam Dunk Contest because everyone wanted to know who the best was. So we competed, and it was the signature event for All-Star Weekend. All the greatest athletes participated, and that's what made it special.
1: So... You beat Michael Jordan in '85. Everybody's looking forward to the rematch in '86. It doesn't happen because of of his injury. And '86 wasn't that the year that uh, that Spud Webb won it?
3: Yeah, in Dallas. And uh, you know, you know, did I win that? Yeah, probably. <laughs> but you know, it, it was his it was his hometown, and I was really happy for Spud. Because Spud is like my best friend, so I was happy for him to win.
1: How much competitive juice was there between the two of you? Because you were such different style dunkers.
3: Oh, man. We were, We, you know, the thing is, no matter if we were teammates or not, we were competitive. We were very competitive, man. We we accept the challenge of competing against one another. Uh, the competitive difference back then was, man, off the charts. You know, everybody competed to the highest level.
1: Does Spud Webb get enough credit for the basketball player he is only because people hear his name and go, oh, the short guy? Uh, The people who played
3: against him, they know. They know what he brought to the table. Believe me, they know. Spud Webb was a hell of a basketball player. I mean, the guy was a dynamo. I mean, up and down the court with the ball was nobody faster.
1: Visiting with uh, Dominique Wilkins, NBA legend, and uh, mentioned a second ago, won the Slam Dunk Contest. So you said you actually won it the year that Spud got the trophy. I'm well, assuming that it. you would I say... I
3: probably won it four times. I just got credit for two.
1: Well, that, that's where I was headed. I'm I'm assuming that you're going to say you won it in 87 also.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody who watched it, they'll tell you who won <laughs> Pretty. It was pretty. It was pretty easy. Who won that one?
1: What was your relationship like with Michael Jordan?
3: We were friends. We were friends. We were friends. We were, we were fierce competitors. No question about it. But we had the utmost respect for one another. You know, even though I you know I laugh and joke about the slam dunk contest all the time, the biggest thing for me and what people had to realize: no matter who won, the fans got their money's worth.
1: And and that's the yeah, that's the thing, and, and I guess that kind of goes back to what I was saying a second ago about that being kind of the golden age of the slam dunk contest, and you pointed out that the biggest stars and the best players competed in it every year. Why is it not like that anymore?
3: Well, I just feel like, you know, it, it, it's things. I think they got so much going on. A lot of the players, you know, uh, you because know, they're more of a brand now than we were, you know, because of the social media, because of television, and, you know. And I think the second part of that, they don't really want to know who the best is. That's why you don't see all the best athletes do it anymore.
1: That really opens up an interesting conversation. We'll spend a couple more minutes with Dominique Wilkins, former Atlanta Hawk, NBA legend, a star at the University of Georgia. He was the SEC Player of the Year at at Georgia. Um, The the current NBA, it's so different. So I, I just turned 40, Dominique. I'm a little bit behind you, but... Growing up in the early '90s, I mean, it was—it's such a different game than it is now. Is it hard for you to watch the current NBA, or is it just maybe a different level of appreciation for what they're doing in the way that they're playing?
3: Well, it, you know, it's just a different style they're playing. You know, um, it, you know, everybody had their era. We had our era. We had our time. It's their time. Um, you know, the thing that I kind of don't like is when they get to get. And where they compared the errors. And I think it's so unfair because it's just a different time we played in. It was so competitive back then. The I mean, guys didn't like each other. The guys rarely ever shook hands. Uh, it's just a different time. The guys are more friendly now than we were, you know, and the, the game is just different, you know, and that's just way that every, every era changes.
1: NBA career for Dominique Wilkins started in 1982. It ended in 1999. Over almost 1,100 games, you averaged 25 points a game. If you were playing in the era that we're in now, how would your career have been different?
3: <laughs> oh, boy. You know how many times we get asked that question? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I scored 25, 30 points a game in the hand-check era. I mean, you ask me what I score now. I don't know. I mean, a lot. <laughs> you know, because... <laughs> It'll be over thirty a game, I tell you that.
1: <laughs> I uh I don't think there are many people that would doubt you when you say that either.
3: I mean, you know, we I mean we found so many ways to score. And if you couldn't be physical with me where well, you could put your hands on me, I mean, come on. I mean you should be able to score.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. This weekend, uh, on Saturday, Dominique Wilkins will be at the Pearl River Resort Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. From four o'clock until eight o'clock, he said earlier, social distancing will be in play. Uh, so you're going to be careful, going to be smart about it, but uh, it will be a neat deal. Is that still cool for you to kind of get to interact with fans?
3: Yeah, you know, you know, the thing is, you know, when I agreed to do this, you know, we wanted to, you know, do something nice, you know, in these difficult times that we live in, but we want to make sure that it's going to be done right. You know, uh, it's not going to be a lot of handshaking and you know hugging and stuff like that. We're gonna we're gonna follow protocol, but we're gonna you know let people enjoy themselves. But uh, you got to practice, you know, safe, you know, distancing. And so I think it's going to be a nice event.
1: It's going to be fantastic. I know, Dominique. Thanks so much for your time. Great visiting with you this afternoon.
3: Oh, pleasure. Anytime. I'll
1: talk to you maybe down the line, Dominique Wilkins. Alrighty. Bye. Back with you on Sports Soft Mississippi streaming at Supertalk.fm. That was fun. Dominique Wilkins joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out that website, favourates.com, F-A-V-E-Rates.com. You can get a quote on auto insurance, home insurance, or you can bundle your coverage together. All you gotta do is plug in your zip code. And uh, then get a quote request. You'll be dealing with agents that are close to you in the county. You've got Farm Bureau agents in all 82 counties in the state of Mississippi. And uh, make, the, make the move that I made a bunch of years ago. Switch over to Farm Bureau. I, I don't think that you will regret doing that at all. Uh, so fun conversation with Dominic Wilkins. If you missed, uh, missed any of that, you can always go back and listen to it on the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast or online at supertalk.fm. All right, so some semi-breaking news. I guess this is breaking news. It, uh is just kind of jumped out there in the social media world on Twitter. Mississippi State's Marcus Murphy, at 3.31, so seven minutes ago, tweeted this. After careful consideration of what is best for me and my family moving forward, I have decided to opt out of the 2020 football season. I appreciate the love and support I've received during my time at Mississippi State University Number 7. Hey, Deb, we've talked about some of the departures, and some of them have been like, well, that's not a guy that's really contributing, or, oh, that doesn't have much of an effect. Tylan Hill was a different story. But for a lot of different reasons, this is a much different story with Marcus Murphy saying he's leaving.
0: Yeah, big time contributor uh, for Mississippi State, starter, one of the best players uh, on on defense. Uh, just a really tough blow for Mississippi State. Uh, based on what I've heard, and it's none of it. Obviously, I can't confirm it, but you know, Marcus I, I can't confirm. Marcus Murphy has a son who you may re- recall, a few uh in the past couple of years has gone through a lot of medical procedures, had to have a, a bone marrow transplant. So, from what I have been able to gather, Marcus Murphy has a real fear of contracting COVID and 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 putting his son at risk so he, he you know i think this past week with everything getting canceled really hit that may have really hit home for him and i think that's when he made this decision
1: i feel like there're two things that are going on though in his tweet number 1 he says he's opting out of the 2020 season mm-hmm. which means you're not going to see him on the field this year again but then he says i appreciate the love and support i've received during my time at mississippi state which makes you think that while yes he is opting out of this year, that he is also done playing football at Mississippi State.
0: It certainly reads that way for sure. My uh, my guess is uh, he'll try to go pro. I don't know if he would transfer or not. Uh, could that could be the case? But we'll have to see. But is he a sophomore it does, it does, or a junior? He is a true junior. Junior. Okay, so this is his third year. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I mean that would make sense. Um, certainly, given some of the circumstances surrounding his situation with his son, that, that you bring light to there. See an NFL player?
0: He he was really good last year in the four games that he got to play in because he was part of that uh that, that that group that was suspended. Um, this year, you know, I haven't seen, I haven't called, felt like they've called his name as much. Uh, this year, you know, the the safety that st- sort of stood out for me before he got hurt. Was, was Fred Peters uh, and Sean Preston sort of the same way. But Marcus Morris is a very solid football player. I think he would measure pretty well. He's got good speed, good hands. So he'll have an opportunity at the next level, I would think. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm not trying to overplay this at all, but it feels like you're almost just sitting back thinking, okay, when do we get some good news if you're a Mississippi State fan? Because there hasn't been much of that.
0: And it's been a dry spell for sure. Um.
2: Basketball know season when that, starts soon.
0: Like I said, dry spell. Uh, <laughs> well, the women's
2: team is still going to be pretty good. <laughs> the women's
0: team should be good, yeah. Um, I, I don't know the answer to that question, Richard. I mean, your next football game is against Georgia. And then you've got the Egg Bowl where, you know, as it stands right now, you're probably a double-digit underdog uh, heading into Oxford. So, you know, I, I don't know when that next bit of good news is going to be for Mississippi State. If they're holding any private commits, now might be a good time to let one of them out. Yeah.
1: Uh, Marcus Murphy in six games this year, 34 tackles, one tackle for loss. He had one pass breakup, did not have an interception, uh, had not been involved in creating or recovering any fumbles or turnovers, period. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess a little less productive this year. You mentioned a season ago, when you look at uh, the production of Marcus Murphy at uh, at Mississippi State on the defensive side of the ball, he was... Uh, buh, buh, buh. Played in five games with three starts. Made 26 tackles. And had a couple of interceptions and a pass breakup.
2: One of those was returned for a touchdown. I don't know why I remember this, but it was against Arkansas.
0: It was against Arkansas. I also had an interception in the Egg Bowl uh, late in that game. Did he play much his freshman year, or did he redshirt? He played. No, he played. That's why he's a true junior. Okay, true. Yeah, I got you. Um. Let's see.
1: Played in all 12 games as a freshman with seven tackles. He's one of those guys that coming out of high school, and, and he's a Mississippian out of West Point, that we talked about, you, you kind of wonder where he's going to be. Is he going to yeah. be on the defensive side of the ball? Do you move him over and put him on the offensive side of the ball? Because just wildly talented and did a bunch of things at West Point.
0: Yeah, I I, th- I thought he... I was with a guy on my podcast who sort of banging the drum for him to get a chance to play offense because he was so explosive with the ball in his hands when he was at West Point. But you know, it was a really good safety, and uh, now his time is done. I won't be surprised, by the way, if this is not the last. I, I can't confirm anything for sure. I may be able to do it later, but uh, right now I, there may be another one coming. Oh, really? Yeah. That is an impact-type player? It would be an impact-type player, yes. I hate to tweet to tease, but I, I, I'm not gonna throw that out there, and you know, like till, I, till I'm, I'm sure about it.
1: King Biscuit says, "Can't blaming having a child like he does. Is he opting out or leaving?" And it's kind of what we were talking about a second ago. King Biscuit is, you know, when when you read his tweet, it's clear that he's opting out for this season. But it also sounds like, based on his wording, where he says he is thankful for his time at Mississippi State, as if he is leaving, and that leaves the question of. Does that mean he is leaving to go and get ready and make a run at the NFL, or is it uh, he is leaving and transferring somewhere else to play his senior season? And I guess only time will tell with that. Just don't yeah. don't know the answer to that, and there's no real clarity about that right now either. No, certainly there would no. be interest in another college team picking up Marcus Murphy if he is available.
0: Oh, I would certainly think so. Yeah, I mean, very talented player. A good leader, yeah. He he would be, he would make an, a good addition to just about anybody's secondary. Who who would have recruited him? He would have committed to Mullen, but signed with Morehead.
1: Committed to Mullen, signed with Morehead. So part of the first class at More
0: yeah Morehead, the twenty eighteen
1: class. Yeah. Wonder which which coach would have been. I mean, would that have been Terrell Buckley?
0: Uh safety's probably would have been, might have been Tony Hughes. Okay. I got gotcha.
1: you. I was just thinking about, you know, relationships that are out there and thinking about where assistants are now, where there might be existing relationships and I don't know that that really would make that much of a difference in terms of, you know, kind of the, the transfer market if that was the way that he ended up going.
2: It, it's so fascinating sometimes how staffs divvy up who recruits who. For example, a friend of mine, a teammate of mine, was an offensive lineman, got offers from everywhere, played at Clemson, and then had a bad snap in a playoff game and lost his job and never won it back. But uh, there were times where defensive defensive backs coaches would come watch him at practice and recruit him because he was their assigned player even though he was on the offensive line.
1: That's of course, just Two they from from Geography gym. as opposed to position.
2: Right, yeah. It, yeah. The guy had a South Carolina background. He was a Virginia Tech recruiter, if I remember correctly. Hmm. He came down, but he was the DB coach coming to re- recruit a center. Didn't make any sense, but that's how they, they divvied it up.
0: And uh, just looking at 24-7, he was recruited by Brett Elliott, ex- Accident, Actually. Who was state's QB coach at the time? See, <laughs> there you go. That's that. I know Mullen did it that way. Mullen, everything was done. It wasn't. You, you, you got to know your position coach, but your lead recruiter was a guy based on geography.
1: Jeff on the C Spire text line says, just one month ago, or one month and two weeks ago, Mississippi State th- thought they were about to make the college football playoff. Now they may not have a team at the end of the year. Remember that bandwagon video?
0: <laughs> this is this is what MSU. Yeah, no, no, no. This is what being an MSU fan is all about. If you jumped on that bandwagon, welcome, because this is what it is. It's a lot of hard times.
1: We get a uh, a message that says pay the tuition back.
0: Okay. Oh. Come on. Get over yourself. I mean, that's, you
1: know, a guy chooses to leave, and he chooses to leave. I mean, I uh, they have the choice. Ho- you know, Ho- Ho- Hogman has an interesting comment. I-, I feel like the landscape of transfers has tra- changed dramatically in just a year's time because Hogman says, "Can't believe Razorback players stayed with Chad
0: Morris." Well, they could They didn't have this opt-out option that a lot of guys do now. You know,
1: the, the opt-out, the not using, losing a year of eligibility, yeah, the basically rubber-stamping transfers may have something to do with it. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll wrap up the first hour right after this. Just kind of looking at the leaderboard. There is a lot of red on the day one leaderboard at the Masters. Paul Casey in the clubhouse after shooting 65. He's in the lead all by himself. Two shots clear of both Webb Simpson and Xander Shawfley. Shawley shot a 5 under 67, and it could have been better. He was three under on his first three holes and then bogeyed five and seven, so he made the turn one under par. On the backside, he birdied 11, 13, 14, and 18 to shoot 67. Really good round of golf from Xander Shoffley. Hideki Matsuyama, was that you, Hayden? That's me. Three shots back at four under par, along yeah. with Lee Westwood, Louis Oosthuizen, Patrick
2: Reed, Tiger Woods. Uh, Borky, hey Heyditzs picks looking pretty darn good early. Pretty good. I may have, uh, have missed it. Did you give a Definitely. shout out to Mississippi's Andy Ogletree yet? I have not yet. So he's playing alongside Tiger Woods, and they correct. they started on the back. He he bogeyed his first hole, number ten, doubled twelve, bogeyed thirteen, and shot seventy three today. Yeah, it really had a it kind of settled down, and things got a lot better for him.
1: So a bogey on 10, a double on 12, which is not what you want. A bogey on 13, which is certainly not what you want. And then a bogey on 15. So he shoots 39 he on the 15. back. I'm sorry, birdied 15. 39 on the back. 3 over par. He bogeys number 1. Then he gets it going a little bit with a birdie on 2, a birdie on 4, a birdie on 6, a birdie on 8. He did have a bogey on 6. 2 under on the back and gets it back to a very respectable one over par. However, that leaves him in a tie for 65th currently because of just how many guys are in red numbers. Currently, 64 players at even par or better. mentioned Tiger Woods a second ago. He shot four under. Did not have a bogey on his scorecard. Um... Dylan Fratelli who played well right after the restart is four under through seven he's one of those guy <coughs> excuse me he's one of those guys that looks like a weekend warrior golfer he wears the long sleeve like compression shirt underneath his golf shirt and he's got like his oakley sunglasses where the you know the the earpieces are on the outside of his hat he's got a lot going on almost made a one on number 16 just a few minutes ago Justin Thomas is 4-under through 8 holes and was within an inch and a half of being 5-under with a, a, a eagle on 8. Uh, John Rahm shot a 3-under 69. So did Tony Finau. Ricky Fowler is 3-under on the front 9. Although, did he go off the back? Can't remember. No, he went off the front. Matthew Wolf,
2: making his Masters debut, is 3-under. Yeah, he. Uh, it's way too early and golf. Is a crazy game. You've seen what's happened with Jordan Spieth, but that guy's got star power written all over him. A bunch of these young guys
1: do. Victor Hovland falls into that category. Matthew Wolf's in that category. Colin Morikawa, who won the PGA earlier this year, is in that category. And then there's a different category. Larry Mize. <laughs> Larry Mize made the turn at even par. He got it to two under early. He bogeyed one, birdied two, three, and four to get to two under. Then he made bogeys on seven and nine and made the turn at an even par 36. On the back, he bogeyed 11, but made birdies on 13, 15, and 16. And the 60... Is, it, is he 62? 62 or 68? He's not 68. 62-year-old Larry Mize, what, 30 years after he wins the Masters, is uh, two
2: under par. Yeah, really he's, good playing. He just turned 62. And the crazy thing about his round, Richard, is he averaged under 250 yards off the tee. That is giving up over 40 yards off the tee on average on the field. And he shot the same score as Bryson today. Averaging 100 fewer yards off the tee. <laughs> there
1: are a lot of different ways to uh, a lot of different ways to do it.
2: A lot of different ways to get there. Did you see Bry- a couple of shots? So Bryson struggled early, and it was kind of fun because it was radi- just ridiculous. He was spraying the ball everywhere. But the tee shot he hit on three, he came up just short of the, the front of the green. It's a little uphill, par four. It's kind of awkward. The sound of the ball hitting the club face was unlike anything I've heard watching golf on television my entire life. I mean, it's unbelievable how much torque and how much strength is behind his swing.
1: There's a lot there.
2: I mean, clubhead speed in the neighborhood of 140 miles an hour.
1: They said Larry Mize was swinging at about 95 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Probably Did didn't even compress
2: the ball anymore.
1: <laughs> Hit it straight, that that regular flex shaft in his driver, <laughs> chip it close and make the putts. It's one way to do it. Hour in the books. Lee Sterling will join us about 20 minutes from right now. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We'll be right back. Back with you, 4 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydab, thank you for being with us. As you well know, the Ceasefire text line is the best way for you to connect with us during the show at 601 879 4395. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with a Ceasefire business internet and phone bundle backed by real support. See how C Spire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. So let's hit you with a couple of things from the C Spire text line. Jeff asks a question about Southern Miss. You guys heard any rumors on who the next USM coach will be? I guess feel feel you, like you mean going this
0: season or, or or does he mean like long term? <laughs> I think we're
1: done with next coach for this season. Think- Whoa, yeah. Big statement there, buddy. I understand. I understand. I can tell you who um, it won't be.
2: Not going to be Hugh Freeze. Not going to be Hugh Freeze. No. 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 Even though that people were talking about that contract extension yesterday, like it like means, it means anything. Like it means anything for like a power five school that wants to hire him. Mm-hmm. But for a group of five that wants to hire him, it's over. He will be the highest paid group of five coach by a pretty significant margin. But if South Carolina saying, wanted him, and Greg Sankey signed off on that. He's coaching the Gamecocks next year.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, what are they saying? Three to four million? That's what they said. a Big, big number. Big number. Um, I got one name for you. I guess I can say his name. Luke has alluded to this, but never got serious about it. About Austin Davis.
0: That's a that's a tough first job. I don't
2: disagree with head
0: you. Coach. I'm just giving you a name.
2: He's Russell Wilson's he, he, quarterback coach right now. That is a true statement.
0: I mean, they a would be going. For the Seattle They're Basically going the uh the, the the path that state almost went down with Joe Judge. you just sort of taking a, a a you're taking a shot on a young guy who seems to have a bright NFL future, but you wouldn't ever consider him if he wasn't an alum. If Austin Davis had gone to Iowa State, he would not be on the USM list.
1: Yes, but I would say the difference is Southern Miss and Mississippi State are not the same thing. No and, doubt. and so maybe you've got to go to your Rolodex. And maybe you're able to take that chance because he is an alum.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying don't discount
2: that possibility. That would be interesting. If you want to make an interesting hire, that checks that box right there. But By the
1: way, at Southern Miss, if you looked at Austin Davis's numbers lately, he threw for 10,892 yards in four seasons with 83 touchdowns and just 27 interceptions. And also had 25 rushing touchdowns. And played in the NFL. A couple of stints with the St. Louis Rams. Practice squad with the
2: Dolphins. Browns, Broncos, Seahawks, Titans. The life of a backup in the NFL, man. From 12 to 18, St. Louis, Miami, St. Louis, Cleveland, Denver, Seattle, Tennessee.
1: Played in parts of three seasons. 2014 with St. Louis, where he made eight starts. 2015 in Cleveland, where he played in three games with two starts. And 2017 in Seattle, where he played in three games but did not have a pass attempt. NFL career through four, just north of 2,500 yards with 13 touchdowns and 12 interceptions.
0: That would be interesting. How, how old is he? 31. How old are you, Borky? Uh, older than Scotty Walden. True. I'm 28. What have you um, done with your life? This guy's way ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, well, I'm, you know, still got the mentality of a toddler, so uh, I've got that going for me. Um, man, that that's interesting, because obviously, if you are going to learn from somebody to be a coach, Pete Carroll is very high up on that list of guys to learn from.
0: The only thing you would wonder about with Austin Davis being so young is what connections does he have? Can he put together a strong staff around him?
1: Don't you feel like a guy though that spent the better part of a decade in the NFL? There's some well, yeah, connections but, but, well, that have been
0: made. You would think, but I mean, college connections—guys who can know how to recruit. Look, I mean, either you're a sharp
1: guy that knows how to put it together, or you're not.
0: No, I agree with that,
1: and I don't think—I I don't think Pete Carroll hires you to be his quarterback coach to be the guy that is kind of the number one in terms of dealing with your franchise quarterback on a daily basis if you're an idiot. I don't think Austin Davis, based on his skill set, stays in the NFL as long as he did if he's not a really, really
2: bright, sharp guy. How about this? I didn't know this. So when he was hired as the quarterback's coach, youngest ever in NFL history. What was that, three years ago? It was actually, so he was an offensive assistant in 19, so he was hired in March, oh, two days before we had to shut everything down. March 10th of 2020 is when he got hired as the quarterback's coach in Seattle, and uh, he was the youngest such coach in NFL history at the time.
0: Sounds like the perfect guy then, just based on his hire date. Maybe that will reset everything. How about Josh? Josh says, uh, different Josh.
1: Uh this is uh, not Josh and Laurel who points out that um Austin Davis missed half of a season because of injury and still put up almost 11,000 passing yards. Josh in Tupelo says Phil Longo to Southern Miss. Congrats everyone. <laughs> Let's do
0: it. Let's get open. Um
2: it's still. I mean, I, I know I not hate been, that hire for Southern Miss. Things have been going well at North Carolina. It's still hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that that was the worst red zone offense in all of college football with AJ Brown, DK <laughs> Metcalf, and road. Dawson Knox. It's just so hard to wrap your mind around that when you had those three guys and had the worst red zone offense in college football.
1: I just got a text message that said half of your listeners just had to Google
2: Rolodex. I hope not. (laughs) (sighs) Yes, the new version of Rolodex would be
1: scroll through your contacts in your iPhone. I understand that. Uh, Here's a message that says, heard Cade Womack, or uh, Kane Womack, as head coach with Austin Davis as offensive coordinator. I promise you, you could do worse than that.
0: Is that a step up, salary-wise, from from QB coach at the Seattle Seahawks to offensive coordinator at Southern Miss?
2: Womack, for what it's worth, is making 460 k right now as the D.C. at Indiana. It's so almost
0: they, making w- what Hobson was well, making.
2: And that's at Indiana. Yeah. But no, no, that's not, that, we're talking about two different people.
1: That's right. and Womack, I'm getting Womack, defensive to coordinator Davis. at Indiana, and then Austin Davis also
2: it's only giving me his last contract in the NFL which was for 790k to be the backup for the Tennessee Titans what a life yeah
1: we um you know we heard that Southern Miss was going to be able to pay more for their next head football coach than they had in recent years
2: so quarterback coaches um no, oh, no, that's college in NFL. Never mind. I was about to give you a, a number that would have surprised you forty or forty eight thousand, which is not at all what the NFL guys are making.
1: Yeah, wouldn't you guess that a quarterback's coach in the NFL is making somewhere in the
2: two to five hundred thousand a year range? Average assistant yeah, probably, coach right. in the NFL makes around four hundred thousand a season.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I mean I, mean, I know gonna, I
1: gave you just a three hundred thousand dollar range, but
2: Maybe, but maybe that's, it's not exactly a money thing because I imagine if he's a smart guy, he's taken that 800K a year as a backup quarterback in the NFL and turned it into a nice nest egg. Maybe in his mind, it's like, I want to call plays and show people that I've got a system and it'll work. And and so maybe that's what you do. Instead of being a quarterback's coach while somebody else is calling plays, you decide, hey, it's my time now. I'm going to go call plays and run an offense. And in two years, I'll be the head coach at a Power 5 program somewhere. Something like that.
1: And has spent the last two years learning under a guy that has coached successfully at both the NFL and college levels. Somebody says you you do realize you've been hammering Longo, and probably don't realize that A and M was severely nearsighted and refused to play with.
0: What are He's trying to say Tamu, but it comes. He spelled it like Texas A and M University. Took oh. me a second to read through.
2: You're blaming Tom for old Mrs. Struggles? Give me a break. Get, just get out of here with that.
1: Okay. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Lee Sterling will join us next. Twenty minutes after four on Thursday afternoon, that can mean only one thing. Lee Sterling is on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports games that he picked with us last week pretty nice, went 3-1 not bad at all and we've got uh, some games to talk about this week, although Lee, not as many in the SEC as we thought we were going to have this weekend
4: Yeah, so full disclosure I actually lost from my clients last week so uh, we're losing week uh, gotta be up front about everything and uh Still have won uh, eight out of ten weeks this year. So, uh, look to uh, a lot of people love it when I lose in a way because they figure, hey, I'm not going to lose two weeks in a row. So, uh, <laughs> now might be the time to jump back on board. I'm running a special eight games, 88 bucks. And if I don't go five and three or better, they'll get the next week for free.
1: There you go. Yep. That's easy. And yep. uh, to get those eight games, go to paramountsports.com.
4: That's yep. And just go to the website it's an instant download so you don't have to call me back on Saturday and Sunday morning you got your four games in college and four in the NFL a couple are totals so uh um you know just just couldn't find as many games because so many games were canceled and uh things like that but uh feel strongly I'll bounce back cuz we've had 8 out of 10 winning weeks and uh just check us out paramountsports.com same thing for UFC if you do UFC you can uh, purchase five fights for fifty-five, and if we don't have a winning record, three and two are better. Next week's free.
1: There you go. So eight yep. games, eighty-eight bucks. Five and three are better, and if it doesn't go five and three or better, you get next week free as well. ParamountSports.com is where you can check that out. Let's start with the game in Oxford. It is uh, one of uh, a couple of games that's still going to be happening this week in the SEC. Ole Miss eleven, eleven and a half point favorite against South Carolina. Uh, Ole Miss did not play last week. When we last saw them against Vanderbilt, really good. Yep. Albeit against a bad team, but really good nonetheless, and Matt Corral is playing at a really high level.
4: He is, and, and who's to say that even South Carolina is decent? I mean, they were coming off a bye, and they looked flat. They had no new wrinkles that they were going to show against a pretty good A&M squad, and M am right now. I think is the second-best team in the conference, so just watch their offensive line. I mean... All these good teams got good-skilled players, but if you win the battle up front, and they demolished South Carolina, on top of that, South Carolina's secondary getting exposed or giving up 11 yards per pass attempt, Colin Hill, their quarterback, struggling against SEC defenses, probably time for a change there. And uh, uh, just I'm, I'm, I'm thinking maybe this time for Will Muschamp, uh, if he can't win this game, to think about his next move. I like Ole Miss here big, 45-21.
1: 45-21 which leaves the under in play right isn't the, isn't the total yeah, 70
4: it's, it's pretty it's pretty tough I mean you got to look at the tempo of this game I think South Carolina would prefer to run the ball uh, but if they fall behind they're gonna have to abandon the run and and they're just not good throwing the football
1: Arkansas and Florida Florida is a 17 and a half point favorite in this ball game Arkansas has been competitive. Uh, hey, even in the games that they've lost this year, coming in at 3-3, three and three, they've been competitive. Uh, they were competitive against Georgia. Uh, they were competitive against T- Texas A&M. Pretty nice little backdoor cover, if that's the side you were on. Um, but Florida's been really good
4: offensively. They have, but Kyle Pitts may not play in this game. He's in concussion right. protocol. I have a feeling he's not going to play. And if you watched the game last week, when he went out of the game, the Florida pass offense was not the same. So Arkansas has really good secondary. Uh, they lead the nation with 12 interceptions. Uh, the quarterback, Felipe Franks, this is his redemption tour. Uh, he changed his. I mean, you look, his different quarterback now. He's not throwing it away to the other team, uh, getting rid of the ball, and and sometimes just eating the ball or, or like I said, playing uh, to live another down. And uh, on top of that, not just Back to recovering a And M. I thought the most impressive thing was last week. They're down thirteen nothing, and they didn't even bat an eye. I mean, they came back and real off point twenty four unanswered. And uh, I just think they're playing with confidence. Here's what they're going to do. Also, uh, got someone pretty close inside their organization, and I think they're going to just sit there and just take their time. They they want to limit. The number of plays. They don't want to get off 70 or 80 plays. They'd like it to be 58 to 60 plays. They're going to snap the ball with two, three seconds to go, and if they can shorten the game, they've got a chance here. Now, Florida's pass offense is great. They're averaging 363 yards, but uh, without Pitts they could be down a notch, and I don't think they can rely much on the running game. They're right now 95th out of 123 teams. That's not going to be good enough to beat Alabama. I have Florida winning the game 40 to 32, but I'm going to take the 17.5 points. Uh, That's uh, three or four possessions in a game, and that might be too much.
1: I I am curious. You mentioned Kyle Pitts, and I I tend to agree with you. Maybe we don't see him. Florida looked a lot different offensively in the second half against Georgia than they did in the first half when there was no Kyle Pitts on the field. Do you think they make an adjustment? I mean, If they're putting 42 points on the board, they're doing something right, or or 40 points, I guess you said, they're doing something right offensively, but how much does that change them if Pitts is not
4: available? Oh, I think they'll have to go to some, some more three and four receiver sets. I think yeah, I think it changes a lot. I mean he's 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 almost unguardable. His height, size and speed. So just watch the pop in the film and, and see what they did did after that time. This just was not the same team. So uh like Florida a lot. I think they're a really good team, but um, you know, some guys. Sometimes one guy can really make a difference in, in what an offense is trying to do.
1: Lee, give me a little bit of a lean on this game tonight. Colorado State at Boise State. Boise State's a a two touchdown favorite. I think 14 and a half in that game. Uh, they're off to a two and one start. They they lose the game last week uh, against BYU, but you know, pretty good at home. Really good at home through the years. Uh, any anything that stands out for this one tonight?
4: Well, I'm I'm going to probably live bet this game or bet it a, a couple minutes before the game. I, I think it's all dependent on the quarterback. If if Bachmeyer or Sears play, it's a Boise play. If not, I may look the other way. Here is the problem with Boise. Just watch their their talent level is not the same. Every year, the last seven, eight, ten years, they've had two, three, four guys in that roster that we're going to play at the next level. I just don't see it right now in this roster. So, you know, they're coming off a loss, but if you got one of those two quarterbacks, which are both really good, I'd lay it. If not, I'd look at Colorado State and uh, take the fourteen
1: i got to ask you about another one that uh, should be uh, one that you're pretty locked in on. Uh, We go to the ACC, early game with Miami and Virginia Tech, and this is one of those where I look at the line and I go, okay, somebody knows something. Virginia Tech is a two-point favorite in this game. They're coming off a home loss to Liberty. They've been pretty average. They've been inconsistent, and Miami's been good all year long. They're coming off the win against NC State where they kind of had to come from behind. Why is Virginia Tech favored in this game?
4: Well, they're just so up and down. I mean, usually, uh, it, you know, if they win that game by 10, uh, this might be a pick em line. They just know Virginia Tech. That's what Virginia Tech's all about. And, and I have some concerns here. I, I, I love Hendon Harker running the spread option. I mean, he can run. They average between 200 and 350 yards all seven games running the football. But their star running back, Khalil Herbert, the transfer from Kansas, he's a game-time decision with a hamstring injury. You just don't want to mess with that with a running back. So, I have a tough time betting Virginia Tech here, and I think Miami's waiting for this game. You know, they lost 42-35 last year when they turned the ball over five times. Uh, I mean, Derek King, I mean, what a game changer. They're 6-7 last year. They're already 6-1 and one this year. Last week's game, he threw for over 400 and ran for over 100 yards. Uh, never been done in Miami history. So uh, he's something special. They're hoping he stays around another year in a barn burner. I like Miami here, 48-45.
1: I'm going to ask you about one other game. Let's go to Big Ten country. This is the primetime game on ABC, Wisconsin and Michigan. Wisconsin's a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Michigan has just not looked good, just period. They haven't been good, and yet they are only a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I know it's at home. Nobody's going to be there. I don't know how that matters.
4: Yeah, here's the problem for Michigan. Michigan and Michigan State had an identity before. Their identity was they're tough up front, they run the football. But they went from gaining 258 yards in the first game against Minnesota, which was depleted because of COVID and returning almost no one on the front seven defensively, to gaining just 152 two weeks ago and 13 yards on the ground last year. Uh, The only question for Wisconsin is, you know, is how has COVID affected them? But they have a lot of depth. They return nine starters on defense. I love their freshman quarterback, Graham Mertz, here. Uh, I'm going to lay the four, four and a half. I like Wisconsin 28-20
1: that makes me feel better because that was one of those where i look at it and go what what are we seeing i I thought last week indiana was a team that should have been favored they weren't i felt like it was a name identity thing so uh that one will be fun to watch on saturday night all right you heard him say it a second ago eight games for 88 bucks go to paramountsports.com if lee doesn't go five and three or better you get next week free paramountsports.com is where you can get those picks they're downloadable lee always appreciate your time good visiting with you enjoy the weekend
4: you too. Thanks, Richard. You have a great weekend. Stay safe.
1: Lee Sterling on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll be right back. Hasn't died. Well, they are shutting it down because of darkness at Augusta. Cameron Champ. Taps his in. Players are allowed to finish the hole they are on if they want to. Or they can mark it and leave it where it lies and pick things up uh, tomorrow. Borky, maybe you can help me with this. A little group text going with some buddies. And somebody said, Ask the question, How does the grounds crew work around marked balls overnight? So I said on the green, I would think that they would take a a tee or a nail or something and push it flush into the ground, mow over it, and then be able to remark it. But did Rory McIlroy leave his ball sitting in the bunker and shut it down for the
2: night? Uh, I might be a little behind you. I haven't seen that yet, but that's a great question. I would imagine that they – this is just my guess – but they can't, though, right? My guess would be they pick the ball up and they either like do a little dot, a spray paint, or just something to where they know where it is, so they can cut and rake and do everything. But that would be very much against the rules, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, it may be that you've got local rules that are in place. Yeah, I, mean, I guess this... the
1: other thing, if the ball is on the green, I mean, there's no reason that you couldn't measure from two points off the green. And then replace the ball where it was. I don't right. think the issue is on the green, but I'm still looking for in the coverage. I mean, if you had a plugged lie in a bunker, it'd be hard to rep. It would be hard to move that, get the bunker taken care of, and then replicate
2: that exact lie. Either that, or since he will be first on the course on that hole, they leave it completely. He hits I don't the think shot. they're in the habit
1: of leaving bunkers unattended <laughs> at a place but, like
2: Augusta. I mean, they leave it, let him hit the shot, then go through. I don't know. That's a great question. I, I hope they uh, give us an answer. I'll be watching uh, live from the Masters tonight. Hopefully, they'll tell us because that is interesting. I've never even thought about that before. I would just, if I were one of them, I sure as heck wouldn't leave myself a bunker shot the next morning. I would play the hole out.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, at the very least, I mean, if you've got a, a putt where you're having trouble seeing the line, eh, maybe yeah. it makes sense to mark it, pick it up, go try to recreate that putt on the practice screen before you go off and then roll it first thing in the morning. But I'm with you. I probably wouldn't leave one sitting in the bunker. I don't think that's what you would want your first swing of the day to be. Although those guys are such good bunker players.
2: <laughs> I know. It's, it, it's to the point now where they are rooting for the ball to end up inside of What was originally considered a hazard in the sport. Yeah. I'd rather it go there. That's a good point. It's. um, At some places, not here because there's no rough, but.
1: Yeah. Uh, 10 games have now been postponed or canceled for this week. The most recent, Rice and Louisiana Tech, as Louisiana Tech's got uh, COVID issues. So kind of all over the place. We've made it to Thursday. And we've already played, what, six, seven games already this week? Had them action. We did. So I heard this conversation earlier in the week, and it made a lot of sense to me. Like, people are kind of freaking out about postponements and cancellations this week because it feels like there are more of them. But in reality, there there aren't more of them. You just think about the way that it's been. We've had postponements and cancellations every single week. And on average, it's been 15 to 20% of the scheduled games. Well, when you've only got 30 games scheduled across the entire country, you're talking about four games, maybe five. When you've got 60 games or 55 games that are scheduled... Having 10 of them postponed really kind of puts you right back at that about that same number. But I think the biggest difference is who it is. I mean, absolutely no disrespect when I say this, but when a game involving Tulane or Louisiana Tech or UTEP or FAU or whomever is postponed or canceled, you're like, nah, it's a bummer. When lsu Alabama's postponed, when Ohio State-Maryland is postponed, when Mississippi State-Auburn is postponed, you go, oh my gosh, what's going on?
0: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, thought,
2: I mean, is that the biggest difference? Yes. Without a doubt. Okay. Without a doubt. And, I mean, and to your point, there is a lot of oh, they're not going to finish the season now. I'm seeing that again everywhere. We saw it back in the summer when the SEC was telling everybody else, hey, pump your brakes. The Big Ten canceled, so what? We're not. Pac-12 canceled, so what? We're not. Everybody relax. And you had Pat Forty write a column and somebody else write a column about how this was just the death nail in college football and there's no way they play, play a season now. I'm seeing that again in some places that, oh, there's no way they finish. Yes, there is. They had what... I think, is mostly tied to Halloween. And you've also had bye weeks, too, where players have gone home. It's easy to keep everybody intact the first few weeks of the season because you don't have an off weekend where sometimes you're sending your kids home just to yeah. give them an off weekend. Old Miss sent their players home if they wanted to. So they're lucky to not have an outbreak themselves. The He like Kiffin himself, their... went to Florida. Yeah. They must... He said the weather
1: was terrible and it caused him not to be able to fish like he had hoped for, but uh, poor
2: guy. So he just hung out and rested and said. <laughs> "But And they must have uh, done well uh, where they went, but maybe not everybody was so lucky. They'll finish the season. Uh, Bob Bowles, the commissioner of the Big 12, today in a podcast interview said, you know, potentially moving the college football playoff back a few weeks is something that's on the table. Good. I'm glad it's that's on the table. Happen. And it might have, to, have happen, to happen, and that's good. Because it means they're willing to be flexible and get the season done. Anybody that's panicking is out of their mind because, yes, there are a handful of teams that can't play this weekend because of COVID. Most of them can't play because of contact tracing, not because they have a bunch of positives. They have one or two just at the wrong time. They'll get back. They'll play. They'll adjust some things on the back end of the schedule, and we'll keep playing football, and everybody's going to be fine.
1: This is related but not related. story came out earlier today. Um, governor Tate Reeves had a news conference. and If you're a business owner in Mississippi, I think you're relieved by what you heard from the governor today. He said that while election, election results have yet to be determined, the state would not shut down its economy again, even if it was mandated by the federal government. Governor Reeves said, we are not going to participate in a nationwide lockdown. Said it would be totally and completely beyond reasonableness. And said that, while he hopes to work with the next president, whoever it is, in other ways
2: to help prevent the spread of the virus. Yeah, that's not coming from nowhere. I saw some people on Twitter say, oh, he's just saying that to appease Trump. No, not, not really. He's saying that because there, there are a couple of people now on what is currently president-elect Joe Biden's team that have suggested shutdowns being the strategy. Uh, that, that is a thing. So that's in response to something that is real. But I kind of had a sigh of relief when I saw that today too, Richard. I was having a conversation with a member of my family. Uh, They brought that up. They're like, what would happen to you if the whole country shuts down for a month and a half? And I said, I don't know, but it's terrifying to to think about. I don't know what would happen to uh, the state of Mississippi, let alone us here. Yeah. It would be terrifying. Well, I would
1: say that as things stand, if that happened, from 3 to 6, Monday through Friday, there'd be a radio show popping up on Super Talk Mississippi that we'd be doing. One way or another, that would happen. Might be from different locations and whatnot, but radio's not going away. Nope. By the way, media is, I think, still classified as an essential business. We are.
2: Brian Haydad is essential. Can you believe that?
1: Hold on now. I wouldn't go too crazy. I wouldn't go too crazy. Oh, goodness. I I don't know. My my kids love me. Not to make that political. Uh, maybe, maybe, I, 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 maybe I don't even have to get that disclaimer anymore. I, I mean, I'm saying that as the husband of a business owner, small business owner. Just deliver a death nail to small business if you
0: tell yeah, the entire I, I, country to shut down for four to six weeks. Shut to Unless you're going to dip your, your toe in the socialism pool, that's going to be very difficult to do. Yeah, yeah no doubt. I mean... You come up with a plan that says, hey, we're going to put money into small businesses that they don't have to pay back. Okay. I don't know how you're going to do that, but, you know, sure. I'm, I'm willing to listen at that point.
2: That's They can send a $10,000 check to me, too, while they're at it. Can I tell
0: you, though, that at some Sports point Sunday that money has business. to be paid back somehow? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I get that, but yeah. other than that, I don't have any ideas for you. Don't vote for Hey Dad.
1: How about this from Ross Dellinger? College football COVID situation. Out of a total 370 games scheduled through yesterday, 313 have been played.
4: We're playing that's
1: games in an 85% clip. That's a win. There have been 57 games postponed or canceled over the course of the season. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, the end of the 4 o'clock hour. We talked earlier this hour with Lee Sterling. Some of the games that we talked about with him uh, included, what, Ole Miss and uh, South Carolina. He had Ole Miss big in that game. I think he had a final score that that hit the under. He did. But he didn't seem too enamored one way or the other with the total in that game. But pretty confident in Ole Miss covering the eleven.
2: Yeah, it kind of feels like most people are. I think the South Carolina quarterback shuffling thing has given a lot of people over there pause. I mean, it's to the point now. I keep up with local media and stuff over there pretty heavily in part because I have friends that talk to me about it, stuff like that. Um, They've already moved on. They're talking about replacements. I mean, this season's already done in their mind. It's, can we convince Greg Sankey to let us hire Hugh Freeze? I mean, that's where their mindset is right now. (laughs)
0: Yeah, going into the Texas A&M game, I was thinking, okay, South Carolina, they're sort of up and down. They beat Auburn. They got handled by LSU. Let's see what happens here. The way they were just dismantled leads me to believe that they've pretty much just tapped out. So yeah, I expect Ole Miss to win pretty big on Saturday. But we'll see what Emily says.
1: Negotiations between South Carolina and Hugh Freeze are going to fall apart when Freeze demands a membership to Augusta. And the membership at Augusta says, "Thanks, but no thanks."
0: No thanks. It's it's a joke. You won't get richer, but Michael, it'll be it'll be like when Tywin and Tyrion were talking about taking over Casterly Rock,
1: basically. <laughs> <laughs> Play has uh, look at that
0: face,
2: Richard, dismayed. You know
0: what? He's <laughs> <idea is>. like, <laughs> no like, idea, but nerds. Michael got it.
1: That's nah, fine. I mean, it's nerds. one of those movies or stories or comic books that you guys. Or like engrossed in that, I got no idea. Of.
2: I have never once in my life read a comic book.
1: I'm not going to say never because never's a long time, but I've, I sure don't remember books.
0: the last time I did. I got some for uh, for Christmas last year. You I, collect comic books? I, I don't collect them, but I, I get some like the graphic novels. My, my wife buys them for me sometimes.
1: Graphic novels. Is that like, like Fifty Shades of Grey comic book style? Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not all people call those comic books, hey, Dad. Uh, <laughs> woo! Uh, oh, it's too bad the, uh, the, the camera froze. I, that's uh, the funniest thing
1: I've said on the radio in a while.
0: No, uh, it's, just a, it's just they put, like, multiple issues of a comic book into one book. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. those got some value on them don't they some of them do yeah but uh anyway yeah i got I got some last year
1: well were you excited when you opened that oh yeah yeah I enjoy reading was them. that something you had asked for or was this like no, a complete was... surprise
0: um uh, I, I I normally get like one set a year for for Christmas or a birthday or something I guess they're, all, they're all, always batman related When's the
1: last time your wife like completely surprised you with a gift Uh, She
0: got when she got my grill a couple years ago. You were fired up. Oh, yeah. Needed a new one at that time. Didn't have one. There you go. Final round. I'm sorry, not final round. First
1: round has been halted because of darkness at Augusta. Paul Casey finished his round early. He shot seven under. He is at the top of the leaderboard after carding a 65. Webb Simpson and Xander Schauffele also in the clubhouse at 5-under par. Justin Thomas playing well. He is 5-under through 10 and will resume his round tomorrow morning. Hideki Matsuyama, Lee Westwood, Louis Oosthuizen, Patrick Reed, Tiger Woods, all in the clubhouse at 4-under par. Matthew Wolf, Adam Scott, Dylan Fratelli all on the course at 4-under par. Uh, you have a guy that I have legitimately never heard of before. DJ Jazzy Jeff is playing in this golf tournament. Jazz. Try to say his Jazz.
2: last name. Jazz it It's going to be close, doesn't it? I tried to listen because he played well today in his first Masters, too. I think he's Taiwanese. And he a Taiwan National. I could be wrong. Okay. Um, the announcers didn't even bother It was just jazz. That's all. That's all they said all day long. Every time they brought him up, it was just jazz. Uh, He shot uh, sixty nine. Nice round.
1: As did John Rom, Tony Finau, and Matt Wallace. Ricky Fowler on the course at three under through eleven. The ageless one, Bernhard Langer, on the course at three under through ten. DJ is three under through nine. Justin Rose is three under through nine. And then a whole bunch more red numbers on top of that. I gave it this to you earlier. Even par or better, 63 players. Wouldn't you hate to be the guy that shot seven over today? That was uh, yeah. Abel Gallegos, an amateur from, is it Greece? Maybe?
2: Jazz is uh, Thai. Thailand okay. is where he's from. Sorry. Gotcha. Two very different places. Sandy Lyle
1: cards a 78. He's tied for 89th. Keeps on playing every year. Sports Talk Mississippi. By the way, Brooks Kepka not playing particularly well. He is two over par through mm. ten holes today. Battling injuries birdie. is Brooks. Don't like that. Don't like that. Again? I thought he was healthy now. Not
0: 100%.
1: Made a bogey on seven and a bogey on ten.
0: Where was that info
1: yesterday? Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll take a timeout. College football fix when we come back. Cold. <laughs> got some chuckles out of going through the ceasefire text line during the break. Amanda in Pike County says, My 403B and IRA really nice right now. Please keep us open. I agree, Amanda. Uh, Brian in Boonville says, South Dakota never shut down its economy during the nationwide shutdown and suffered no more infections or death than other parts of the country.
0: Yeah, they one even one the had, worst uh, right now, though. Say what? They're one of the worst states right now, though. Are they?
1: Can't blame it on Sturgis anymore, though, can you? I mean, that's like nah, not in the nah.
0: past. And I mean, how many people from South Dakota are going? I, that, that's something that's nationwide.
1: Yeah. Um, Jason says, heck yes, hate ads essential. I'd have pulled my last hair out during quarantine if not for your show and podcasts. Thanks, man. David says, he dumped DirecTV. What's the best way to get football?
2: I've really enjoyed, if you want to go the streaming route, and I know that's tough, you've got to have pretty good internet. I don't have yep. great internet, um, but it's not the lowest package my provider offers, but it's not the highest either. It's a pretty good yeah. price point for me. Anyway, Hulu works really well for me. I have every channel, every game that I want, except for NFL Network. And okay. You miss one game a year if you don't have NFL Network, and then a really good morning show that they do. Otherwise, it's got everything, yeah. and I have I have no problems whatsoever with Hulu. The interface kind of stinks compared to YouTube TV. Way better interface on YouTube TV, but Hulu's got everything you need.
1: Bottom line, though, is if you want to get one of these packages where you get everything you want, you're basically paying the same that you were paying for Dish or DirecTV. Yeah, it's it... gotten to that point. I mean, you might save 10 bucks one way or the other, but, I mean, YouTube TV that's got everything... It's like up to what, $68, 69 a month now? It's going to be, a
2: month? it's going to soon be even higher than that. So the prices are catching up. I'm still with Hulu and my internet, probably about 50 bucks a month cheaper than what okay. would be a regular provider, but it's going up. I mean, it's going up all the time. It will catch up eventually. Um,
1: with regard to Hey Dad's graphic novel comic book, somebody sent us a message that simply says Kama Sutra. Lonnie says, if you ain't ever read Mad Magazine, you ain't ever lived. That was before my
2: time, man. What, Kama Sutra or Mad? Mad. Oh, sorry. I did Kama get to Sutra see... was
0: before all of our times, <laughs>
2: technically. You can still um, buy it in
0: the store, though. Uh,
1: apparently MP so. in Oxford, with regard to Hey Dad's graphic novels, do you read them or just look at the pictures?
0: <laughs> That's, that, you have to read them, yeah. That is so
1: well played. Uh, this one. Borky, I need a pick for tonight. I'm doing the act, uh, exactly the opposite of what you say. I took the over
0: on Monday night and won
2: $400. Yeah, then you lost a bunch of money this weekend in college football when I went
0: 4-0, and so congrats. You don't, want, you don't want to read the other thing that guy just said? You don't want to read that guy's comments? No? Probably not. Oh. Yeah, I'm not going to read that Sorry. Yeah. You can go talk about it on Gene's page, though. Um... <laughs>
1: Quinn uh, suggests that you should get Mad Libs, that somebody should be gifting
0: you Mad Libs for Christmas. Well, I did ma- I did some Mad Libs the other night. You can just do them online now. My, my daughter likes doing them, my old, my youngest. Hogman hopes that we're picking Florida this weekend. Well, we'll see what Emily says. Hey,
1: I, picked, I picked
0: your Hogs last weekend, buddy. If Brian was picking, I would take the Hogs and all those points.
1: Yeah. Uh, is Freddie Couples playing today? Yes, he is plus two and is off the course through nine holes. Uh, Mike in Oxford suggests YouTube TV. He says you can record every single game with one click. Uh, by the way, if Big Fox is something that's important to you, Dish, T- uh, Dish Network's not the way to go right
2: now. Man, they're they're just letting everybody drop them. That's bizarre. I, I mean, I, so if you're a Braves fan... Who Dish for, is or Fox is? Fox. They're just letting everybody drop their RSN. So if you're a Braves fan, for example, and you watch the Braves on Fox Sports South, a lot of the providers aren't going to have it next year. See, Dish has got all the regional foxes. It's big fox, like Channel 13. That's crazy. See, that that is mind blowing. But uh, I I might need to switch to because Hulu is about to lose the RSNs. Uh, So Mm. YouTube TV lost them. Uh, Everybody's Fox is just not working with providers at all to give their RSNs. At some point, you've got to have distribution, or else they have no value.
1: Borky, uh, the texter, says he needs an NFL pick. He does not bet on college games. Well, that's your, it's your mistake. All right. Um, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. We are glad to be with you. And if you want to be part of the conversation, you can do so on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. 601 879 4395. Want double the data for the same dang price. All prepaid by C Spire plans. Get double the high speed data through the end of the year. No bull. Just better wireless. Learn more at cspire.com slash prepaid. I gotta go to C Spire tomorrow. It's time for a new phone. Not because like I just desperately want to get a new phone, but because my phone is like doing the lag thing now. Like I will like if I want to respond to a text message, I'll start typing and I'll be about a word and a half in before any of the letters pop up onto the screen?
0: That's maddening. Yeah. I've already, I've already done, been to C Spire, and I've already uh, I've upgraded, and my yeah. youngest will be getting, be getting this phone, and I'll be getting an 11, it looks like.
1: Can you get the 11? Yeah. I was looking That's at it. the pricing the other day, and it looks like you can actually get a 12 for cheaper than you can get an 11.
0: The plan that we're, we're doing was ah. cheaper to get the 11. Okay, there. We I'm trying to get into your deal. So, anyway, stay out of my life with you and the smoke lasagna. Just
1: you just can't stop. Oh, by the way, Mike. Um, I think it was Mike. Yep, suggested that your wife could surprise you this year for Christmas with outside lights.
0: That'd be awesome.
1: You could do that, hey, Dad. You're I'm, you're not exactly Mister Fix It, though, are you? I'm not very handy at all. No. Yeah, you can
2: string up some lights though.
0: I'm sure I could, yeah.
1: I mean there are lots of I mean you could actually like install lights outside your back door if you didn't These want to. They're all that. great you ideas.
0: Could. I could just grill during the day. That would be the easiest place. You're a little that means you can't grill for like the
2: entirety of the winter. Yeah, the sun sets at three forty five now.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, get out there for lunch, it'll be fine. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's exactly what you're gonna do.
1: <laughs> you're gonna gonna go, I got do light up the week lunchtime anyway. on a Tuesday.
0: Yeah, who grills during the week for for you know lunch? Nobody. People who don't have that's jobs. That's kind of the point. I'm just saying it's just easier. Yeah. Grills are, grilling is for the weekend. And that's when that's when I like to grill. Uh,
1: Jason says, "Please stop making fun of Hey Dad. I was addicted to the Walking Dead graphic novel, also
0: known as a comic book. Uh, started when I was in the army. Yeah, well, there's a guy who thinks really low of you here on the text line. Of me. No, of, of of Jason, one of our you know uh, guys who served our country. Um, it's yeah. the same guy
1: we've just been talking about. No, no, I I understand, I understand. Okay. Hey, we need to get to the college football fix, but what we're going to do today is a little um, it's a little in depth. I don't think that this is a two minute college football fix, is it, Borky? Uh, not if we do it right. No. Okay. I will tell you what's coming up, and that is the College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. The holiday sales event has arrived, and that means great savings on the entire lineup of Ford vehicles. Maybe you want to get behind the wheel of an expedition. Got a family trip coming up? I can vouch for the fact that that is a great way to travel as a family. Or maybe it's the best-selling truck in America, the Ford F-150, that uh, you're looking for Uh, Go for it. Check that out. It's the best. uh, You'll never regret it, I promise. So here's what we're going to get into. We have talked about quarterbacks in the SEC. And there's some pretty enlightening numbers when you look at depth of target. All right, so guys throwing the ball down the field versus checking it down, going with the underneath route, the swing route. So we'll get into those numbers, and I will tell you that they range from 11.26 yards per attempt, average depth of target, to 3.62 yards per attempt in terms of depth of target.
0: Guess who it is? Uh, don't don't spoil it. Don't spoil it, hey dad. Anybody who watches the games knows. But go ahead.
1: A, adjusted completion percentage is another one that's that's uh, pretty interesting, and we've talked about what that means. That's when you take out drops. It's when you take out obvious throwaways. That's when you take out plays where they spike it to stop the clock. You you, you get all the junk out. And you actually give a true completion percentage for the quarterback. It's not a a completion percentage based on what the receivers do or some things that are just part of the game in terms of stopping the clock or slowing things down. So we'll get into those numbers when we come back. Kind of fascinating when you look across the Southeastern Conference. We'll also look at the games that are coming up. We've got the Pearl River Resort Pick of the Day and more with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Eyes are cold and restless. almost
2: and
1: Interesting NFL game tonight.
2: To Colts and
1: Titans. Well, 7.20 central awesome. time kick. Titans are actually getting a point at home. Tennessee 6-2 on the year. They're 4-1 at home. Colts are 5-3. Phillip Rivers has been pretty good. 10 touchdowns, 7 Picks on the year. Ryan Tannehill has been really good. 19 touchdown passes, three interceptions. Indianapolis Colts have the number one defense in the NFL. Titans have Derrick Henry. Titans have a 56.2% chance to win this game, according to the matchup predictor FBI from ESPN, and yet they're getting points. Guys, we're just going to go ahead and throw out the Pearl River Resort pick of the day brought to you by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge, which, as we told you earlier, Dominique Wilkins is going to be visiting on Saturday. He will be there from 4 until 8 on Saturday afternoon. So if you want to stop by and socially distance visit with Dominique, you can do just that. We're going to take the Titans on the money line to win this game straight up tonight. We could do it where we take the uh, the points, and you're looking at minus 110 you can get an even money bet on the money line for the Titans just to win the game straight up.
2: I like Tennessee at home tonight. Yeah, it's probably uh, a bad sign for you, but but I like it, too. If you look at the Colts and, and what they've done, and like you said, number one defense in the NFL, and even if your schedule is bad, it's still NFL teams that you have to beat in order to get there, but if you look at their wins, it's Minnesota who's bad. Getting better, but they were especially bad early. The Jets, who are tanking for Trevor. They're literally sitting Sam Darnold, who could play because they want to lose. uh, At Chicago, who are frauds, and they only scored 19 points in that game. Cincinnati, who around Joe Burrow was terrible, and in Detroit. Those are their five wins this season. Maybe they're a product of their schedule, not the product of being a good football team. Yeah. I do think
1: the whole defense is good thing is real. They are good on the defensive side of the ball. I yeah, they held a better team overall. Yeah. So, we'll see. That's your Pearl River Resort pick of the day. Tennessee Titans, straight up on the money line to beat the Colts tonight on Thursday Night Football. Now, if you want to go the other way, there was the whole, uh, we're going to fade Borky. I guess that means you're going the other way. Feel free.
2: Go for it. And you'll probably be right. And I'm looking forward to your sarcastic texts on the show tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's going the other way. Rivers' right, arm into- angle
2: just keeps getting lower. It's like he started, you know, throwing like everybody else, and then as, as his career went, he went to three quarters, and now he's sidearm, and like by the end of the season, he'll be submarine. Some of these in depth numbers. Depth of target
1: for SEC quarterbacks. Stetson Bennett the fourth leads the way for the Georgia Bulldogs. His average depth of target is eleven point two six yards. Second in the SEC is Matt Corral, Will Miss throwing the ball down the field. Average depth of target, 11 yards this season. 10.82, but we're rounding up. I don't want to do decimals all the way down, so we'll just round on these. Tennessee's Jarrett Garantano, 11. Mac Jones at Alabama, 10. Miles Brennan at LSU, 10. Kellen Mond, 9. Connor Basilak at Missouri, 8.5. It feels like Missouri hasn't played in a while. Did they play last week? Uh,
0: No, they didn't. No. No, they lost two weeks ago to Florida. That's
1: right. Oh, yeah, they had a fight. Darth Vader and whatnot. Yeah. And then I think the week before that, they had a game postponed because of COVID. I just hadn't seen a lot of Missouri lately. Kyle Trask middle of the pack in the SEC at 8.5. Bo Nix at Auburn, 8. Colin Hill at South Carolina, eight. Terry Wilson at Kentucky, seven. Vanderbilt's Ken Seal, seven. Felipe Frank's not really throwing it down the field. He's seven. Then you got Mississippi State's two quarterbacks. KJ Costello averaging six yards in terms of depth of target. And then Will Rogers, 3.62.
0: Have they not taken any shots down the field since he's been in? Hardly a one. I remember two. One was incomplete, and one Malik Keith caught for a touchdown against AM.
1: How long was it? Th- was it a catch and run, or was it like a throw it out there and let him go get it?
0: Touchdown. Uh, he, There was a little bit of a run to it, but that pass was more than 10, 15 yards down the field. Yeah.
1: Adjusted completion percentage is also kind of a fascinating stat. Mac Jones, just wildly efficient this year. His adjusted completion percentage is 87%. Felipe Franks at Arkansas is 82. He's been really accurate. So is Matt Corral outside of the one game where he he had a bunch of good balls caught. The problem is they were just caught by guys in the wrong color jerseys. I don't think that factors into adjusted completion percentage. He's at 81%. Will Rogers actually really good, 80%. Oh, yeah.
0: You can do that when you're throwing the ball three yards down. The field. Three yards, yeah, yeah.
2: That so I brought that here for for that number. That is, I think it, it says two things. One, it says that defenses are giving that up. I mean, we've talked about oh, yeah. it all year. Oh, yeah. It's uh, why why Costello was getting himself into trouble throwing interceptions because he forced the ball down the field into double coverage often, because everybody was dropping eight and saying, "Hey, if you want five, we'll give you five. Catch the ball in front of us, though. But also, on the flip side of things, Mississippi State lately cannot try to throw the ball even to the intermediate level because there's not time. They couldn't do it frequently even if they wanted to
0: because there's no time. I'll tell you one thing that I, that I, I it popped in my head last night for some reason, and I should have thought about it before. But what I don't get, we've been talking about they can't block three with five, right? They're dropping eight, they're rushing three, the three are getting through. Well, how many was LSU bringing? They were bringing four, five, six. Yeah. And state was able to, you know, for the most part, protect Costello. So I don't, I don't, I, it made what's happened even more incomprehensible to me. Yeah, what the heck
3: happened?
0: Hey, Dad, do you, kind of, you uh, hey, want to try and tackle that one? What the heck happened? Buddy, we are way too late in the show to start that conversation. I need the whole time. Hmm.
1: Do you guys remember when a quarterback completing 55 to 60% of his passes was pretty good? Oh, yeah. Those days are gone. There are only two quarterbacks in the SEC. Who are completing less than sixty percent of their passes? Stetson Bennett at Georgia is at fifty-five point six percent. Colin Hill at South Carolina is at fifty-nine percent. Mac Jones at Alabama. I'm going to round up on these: seventy-nine percent. Matt Corral seventy-two. Kyle Trask sixty-nine. Kellen Mond sixty-four. Felipe Frank sixty-seven. Bo Nix, sixty-one. KJ Costello was at sixty-five. Miles Brennan, sixty.
0: Kind of Connor Bazelak Connor be like seventy-eight. Yeah.
1: Connor Bazelak was uh, sixty-nine. Ken Seal, sixty-seven. Garantano at Tennessee, sixty-two. Terry Wilson, Terry Wilson at Kentucky, is completing sixty-one percent of his passes. And yet. I'm and Will Rogers is at seventy two percent. The big difference though with Will Rogers and with KJ Costello for for that matter, yards per pass attempt, and these actually line up pretty comparably with the target distance. Will Rogers four point six yards per pass attempt. KJ Costello was at six point two. Only one quarterback in the SEC that is averaging more than ten yards per pass attempt. That's Mac Jones at Alabama. He's at twelve point four. Matt Corral just shy of that at nine eight seven.
2: You got Kyle Trask at nine nine seven. So at those numbers, just to put it into even more perspective, stating the obvious, that means Mississippi State has to complete three consecutive passes to get a first down on average.
0: know, you talk about like playing small ball in baseball and you gotta get like three hits to get a get a run across.
4: That's interminable.
0: Yeah, three singles. But imagine that for football. You know, you you have to throw the ball three times to get a first not a touchdown. Not to cross midfield. Just to get a first down. Yeah, that's not good. That, That
1: that's actually a really good cross sport analogy. Mac Jones is throwing for doubles and home runs. Same thing for Matt Corral and Trask. You got Will Rogers bunting for singles. It's crazy. And I know the screen game and the dump-off game has always been a big part of Mike Leach's offense, but it hasn't traditionally been this big of a part of his offense. No, not at all. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We'll be right back. back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm um we got a message a second ago and i'm actually this is not the intended angle here people said uh, why are you avoiding talking about one of the sec games given the limited number this week and that was in reference to the uh, game that is happening in lexington and apparently is going to be played vanderbilt and kentucky I tell you what, you got to give me a little bit more than why are you not talking about this game? Right? Like, I'm willing to, but you got to tell me why or what you want to know or an angle or something.
0: Have you ever seen Saw? It's going to be like that. <sighs>
2: I, I hope he's a Kentucky fan. Hope so. Because if not, I will more likely watch Frozen this weekend than that football game. One or two? One. Better than two. I still Let haven't it seen go. Let it go. Uh, fantastic movie. Disney's just incredible mm-hmm. with what they do. And now, even though... My kids well, missed
0: the window on two. They got too old to be into Frozen uh-uh. anymore. You're never too old for that. I guess. I've seen Frozen enough that I can almost quote it. So Yep. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, uh, I mean, with all due respect, there is nothing at all grabbing... And the Masters this weekend kind of hurts my desire to watch that game. Because if it's a choice between Vanderbilt and Kentucky, the Masters, and laying face down in my lawn watching the grass grow, Kentucky Vanderbilt's third in that list. Oh,
1: I don't know. I like college football enough that I would watch more of it.
2: Is that college football, though? Because that kind of teetering on the edge.
1: There's a really sad story that you guys may or may not have seen out of Kentucky. John Schlarman, uh, not sure I said his last name correct yet, the offensive line coach at Kentucky passed away. John Schlarman. uh, He had been battling cancer for the last two years. I don't know if you guys read it or not. Um, Kyle Tucker, who covers Kentucky for the Athletic, and and I think he writes and covers the Tennessee Titans as well, wrote an incredible piece about him that came out of. About a month ago, maybe not quite that long ago, this is a guy that was 45 years old, played at Kentucky, just like universally respected and loved by his teammates, came back to be an assistant coach. Neil Brown, the former offensive coordinator who's now the head coach at West Virginia, actually recommended to Mark Stoops when he was putting together his initial staff at UK that he hire Charlman. And Stoops followed that advice, and the offensive lines at Kentucky have been really good. They are traditionally not a program that has had a lot of offensive linemen drafted, but in recent years, draft boards have been littered with Kentucky offensive linemen. And his players absolutely loved him. Guy's got four young children. And it was just, I mean, I sat there reading this story just crying. Thinking well, about it from the standpoint
0: of, say what? Now I'm not going to read it. I don't need the feels, man. Well, it just,
1: I mean, you know, it's that reminder of you better make every day count and you never know how long you've got. Yeah. And the dad that he continued to be to his kids, they didn't talk about life expectancy. They didn't talk about the uncertainty of how long he was going to be with them. They really didn't talk about the fact that he had cancer all that much. I mean, the kids knew, but they just didn't dwell on it. He didn't allow his family to dwell on it. He didn't allow his players to dwell on it. And there was a lot of anecdotal stuff in the story about, you you could tell this guy was not feeling well at practice. And they basically got to a point where Mark Stoops forced him to ride to the practice field in a golf cart and sit for a big part of practice but even then he wouldn't do it and he would you know have this wave come over him and walk over to a trash can and throw up and then he'd go right back to the team drills and they were particularly concerned about him in the covid era but he just never checked up and just fought an unbelievable battle that he succumbed to this morning from a uh, a rare cancer and it's just a heartbreaking story and you know tying it back to home a little bit it's why what we did earlier this week was so important and what was so good to support someone we love and care about in JT in his battle and thankfully for JT his prognosis is outstanding and his doctors think that he has a great chance of having his cancer cured. Not not just not just set aside, not just in long-term remission, but cured. So, I got a message from a buddy asking who we're talking about. John Schlar, uh, Schlarman, the offensive line coach at Kentucky, passed away this morning after a two-year battle with cancer. 45 years old with four young children. So just a uh, really tough story and look I, I don't know how that factors in to how does that factor into a game this weekend Do, and I'm not I'm not trying to predict a winner or a point spread or anything else but does something like that serve as a a galvanizing force for a team? Is it a win-one-for-the-Gipper type thing? I I, I don't know. Or is it so tough that you're overcome with emotion and you get a different type performance? I I will say this. Those two teams have continued. And I know had said this is the baseline. You, You shouldn't be applauded for playing hard and not quitting. But those two teams have had a rough go of it this year. And they're both still playing hard. Vanderbilt got smoked by Ole Miss a couple of weeks ago. They played hard all the way to the end. They had a chance to win against Mississippi State last week. And and that's for a team that everybody... Now, two different stories. Basically, everybody predicted Vanderbilt was going 0-10 this year. People thought Kentucky was going to be pretty good.
0: Yep, I did.
1: As did I. But offensively, they've just been so inept. Another story, Mike sent us the link to this a little while ago. The Ivy League has canceled its winter sports. Conference is also postponing spring sports until at least the end of February. They will not conduct competition for fall sports during the spring semester. These were unanimous decisions by the Ivy League Council of Presidents. Winter and fall sports, uh, student-athletes will not lose a season of Ivy League or NCAA eligibility. That's actually a little surprising, to be perfectly honest. Not that they wouldn't receive lose a year of NCAA eligibility, but the Ivy League's big on, no, you're not redshirting. you're not getting a fifth year, but different philosophy here. And I think it makes sense. Won't be surprised at all if the Ivy League does not compete in sports, period, in the 2021 school year. The whole year? Wouldn't shock me
2: at all. I keep uh, holding out hope. Like they don't play any of their spring sports. Oh, okay. So football back on the table, you think, possibly. I saw, and I know... No, no, no. I mean, this release said they're not playing football in the spring. I meant
1: into the fall. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about the 2020-21 academic year.
2: Yeah. Uh, That wouldn't surprise me either. I did read – I know not everybody likes him. I certainly, to some degree, understand why, but I did see where where Fauci said today that he doesn't expect it to be a pandemic for terribly – too terribly much longer, meaning the the vaccine news and the um, treatment news will hopefully come to fruition and – into next year, things will start getting back to normal. If that's encouraging to you, it was to me, and I know a lot of people don't like that name, but I did see that earlier, and it gave me a little bit of hope. that. But maybe by the fall of 2021, we can fill up the stadiums around here again.
1: Well, let's hope so. On so many levels, let's hope so. Like on a general health level, on an economic
2: level, on a sanity level yeah here's the direct quote if you care uh certainly it's not going to be a pandemic for a lot longer because i believe the vaccines are going to turn that around he said i doubt we're going to eradicate this but basically the vaccines will end the pandemic side of covid so
1: i mean the flu isn't eradicated it's managed yeah I'll not say anything else about that. Right. Uh, uh, but. Other than I hope, Burning Bush Fauci is right. Here's a message. Uh, my oldest son works at Cornell. They, are, uh, Cornell. they are super serious about locking everything down. He's been working from home since February. That's from Sandy in Monticello. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Sandy. Go big red. Uh, some, somebody says the Poison Ivy League.
4: Sports Talk Mississippi with you. A Super Talk Mississippi Ah! media production.